Good evening, everyone. Our first reading, we hear from the prophet, and uh, uh, he's speaking about how a person, uh, the way they speak, I mean, what they have said, shows the kind of person that that person is. And uh, um, just as an orchard is judged by the quality of its fruit, uh, so a person's talk shows the kind of person that they are. This links uh, with what Jesus is going to eventually say in the gospel. A tree is known by its fruit. Uh, the words of the mouth flow out from what fills the heart. And um, just as a, we judge a tree by its fruit, so we judge a prophet by his actions. And uh, Any prophet who teaches the truth is nonetheless a false prophet if he does not practice what he teaches the people. A true prophet is the one who behaves in the way the Lord has mandated. And uh, our second reading uh, is a beautiful reading. Uh, St. Paul speaking to the Corinthians again, and he speaks about the resurrection of Christ. And he's talking about how his Paschal mystery has taken the sting out of death for those who will believe in him, for those who will follow him. In today's gospel, um, Jesus is speaking to the disciples, and he's using um, an ancient rabbinical form of preaching known as, uh, maybe you've heard them in the synagogue, them say it, it's Sharaz, Sharaz. Um, it's, uh, its meaning is string of beads. And um, this style called for the preacher to move rapidly, from one point to another to keep the audience's attention. And though the approach seemed disorganized by us, by our standards, the frequency with which it was used in Scripture uh, would seem to suggest that it was considered very effective in ancient times. Jesus, knowing people's attention span is short and vivid, he, uh, images fix things in their mind and help them uh, with memory to retain it and to recall it, Jesus presents then three powerful images in the form of small parables today. Uh, the three parables all continue the Sermon of the Plain, in which Jesus has set forth his teachings in a series of four Beatitudes. And now this is not Matthew's Gospel, this is Luke. And four woes, followed by a series of radical precepts, such as love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, Turn the other cheek and lend without expecting anything in return. We heard those in the past two Sundays, and now we hear this rapid-fire parables from him. Uh, perhaps sensing resistance in the ranks uh, to the challenging demands of what Jesus had been putting forth in his homily, Jesus intends these three images, each packed in a brief parable, to clarify the nature of discipleship. The first small parable deals with sight. Sight in St. Luke's gospel is often to mean spiritual understanding, uh, the hallmark of a disciple. We remember, uh, if you will, the Samaritan. Uh, uh, they were cured, and it's fine. we find that in Luke 17, 15. And we are told that one of them saw that he was healed, and Luke means he understood what happened to him. There's even a more telling one with the centurion in Luke's gospel. 
He witnessed Jesus die on the cross in Luke 23, 47. And he uh, mentions uh, he saw what happened and he gave God glory by saying, truly, this was the Son of God. And uh, so the point of this little parable then is that if a disciple or anyone else has doubts about Jesus' teaching, it is only because they have not yet learned. They do not yet see and understand as Jesus sees and understands. And there are many people who are still blind to the ways of God and consequently are incapable of leading others to God. Only when they fully accept Jesus' teachings will they be able to lead others without stumbling into a pit. The second little parable contrasting the difference between a speck and a plank and, uh, in one's eyes is meant to poke fun at the human tendency to find faults in others while being oblivious to one's own sins and faults. Uh, but it is a reminder uh, by Jesus uh, and to the, for his disciples that they too have blind spots that need to be removed before they can serve as guides to others along the way, as it was known, the way of Jesus. All too frequently, the faults that call for correction in the disciples, which Jesus links to planks, uh, may be more serious than the faults that they find in those they are trying to convert, which Jesus calls splinters. Uh, those who refuse to acknowledge their faults, uh, Jesus calls hypocrite. And... Um, the word in the Greek is a little bit nuanced compared to how we understand it. And uh, hypocrite in ancient time, uh, its real meaning was about an actor. And uh, uh, of course, in their time, actors wore a mask to assume the role they were playing. And uh, masks were typical in ancient theater, uh, particularly in Greek tragedy and dramas. With the negative image of a hypocrite or an actor, Jesus makes it clear he wants no play acting or pretense among his disciples. Christians should live what they profess, putting into practice precisely what Jesus has taught. And because this is his church, as the church teaches, sometimes it is very difficult, and sometimes you will be hated for it. I have been labeled a hypocrite because I have followed the teachings. Am I a hypocrite? Or do I label myself obedient? Obedient. Sometimes I do not like some of the things, but I remain faithful because I am not wiser than my master, nor am I wiser than Mother Church. My friends, the third little parable of knowing a tree by its fruit is similar to what Sirach and our first reading about speech. But Jesus is more demanding, of course. While Sirach suggests that we know people by what they reveal of themselves to us through how they talk, Jesus maintains a better criterion by which to judge a person's character. And that's hard because those are the exact words to judge because we also find in scriptures do not condemn, do not judge others. <laughs> but uh, Jesus puts forth 
How does one then judge someone's character? And it is by the deeds the person does. Jesus uses the image of a tree, and most likely uh, where he was at and what he was talking about was an olive tree. We get a little confused because they throw in this fig thing for compare and contrast. Uh, but uh, from the olive tree came two of their staples in their diet, which were olives and olive oil. And uh, everyone in this large agricultural economy that Jesus was speaking to could tell a tree by the fruit it produced. And so he was speaking to them in things they understood. So they immediately got the meaning of the parable. The people knew from experience that only a good tree can produce good fruit, and a bad tree would never produce anything but bad fruit. For Jesus' actions served as a far better indicator of the character than words, because he knew well how actions could contradict one's words. Over and over again, he urged people to avoid the examples of the Pharisees and scribes precisely because they did not practice what they put upon the people. Matthew 23, 1 through 3. Jesus wanted no acting, no pretending. He didn't want the hypocrisy of his day. Nor did he want the pharisaic foolishness <laughs> that he found, the religious nonsense uh, that the Pharisees and the scribes were putting forth because they did not understand. Today, um, Mother Church uh, gets hit very hard with great criticisms because she will not change or adapt to, to the norms of society and what's dictated by culture now. And uh, I would remind you, when you study the scriptures, uh, Jesus did not go to the norms and was dictated by the culture of his time either. <laughs> he remained true to his father and stayed true to what the teaching was. And he, uh, he tried to fight against what the culture and of his time was putting forth, uh, what society was doing. And uh, while Mother Church moves slowly sometimes, um, I am not wiser than her. And... Uh, Sometimes Mother Church takes a while. In particular, uh, what would be one of those things? Well, remember, remember that, that idea of limbo? <laughs> it took like a hundred years for the church to, to, through its theologians, the holy mothers and fathers of the church, to figure out how, how to deal with this, and they did. In the same way, uh, Mother Church has uh, come to understand people who die by suicide differently. 50, 60 years ago, uh, the funeral mass couldn't be offered for such a person who did that. Uh, today, depending on uh, many factors, uh, the church says, let us look and pray and think about this. And they've made, so sometimes Mother Church, it just takes a little while for her. Is it that God has changed? No, our understanding. Jesus came and did that with the commandments, remember? He, people thought they knew all about the commandments and the other 613 that Moses put, and they didn't. And he pointed it out. He didn't take them away. He made us understand. As a matter of fact, he made them even harsher 
uh, if you will, but if we can use those terms, because he said, now you, as we heard in his homily, now you will love those who do wicked things to you. Oh, Moses didn't tell us to do that. <laughs> he told us to beat them up. <laughs> Remember the eye for an eye. And Jesus says, yes, but you will not do that. Uh, so um, I will always defend Mother Church, and I will stand by her always, whether people like it or not. Jesus warned that um, you would take abuse because of that. My friends, enjoy the Alleluia, because this is the last time you're going to hear it for 40 days, because we'll enter into Lent, and remember, we don't say the Alleluia uh, in the public form. Uh, in your house, you may do so, but in the public setting, we don't. Um, so I think that's why we, the hymns had Alleluia, the first one, and we'll, we'll hear that. Um, the Gloria will go away uh, uh, as we fast, if you will, fast from it, and, uh, and the Alleluia. And it'll make it all that more beautiful and meaningful to us uh, when we celebrate Holy Week on Holy Thursday. And sisters, uh, Wednesday begins our Lenten journey. It's Ash Wednesday. We'll have Mass at 9 a.m. and Mass at 6 p.m. It's a little bit of a change from the past. And I will be, as is my tradition, uh, I will be inside the church all day praying. And I'll also uh, impose ashes on any Christian uh, that will come in. Uh, so if you can't make the nine, nine o'clock and you really can't make six, then please come in throughout the day. Uh, you'll find myself or one of the other ministers here to put ashes on your forehead. And ashes, um, the ashes are sacramental, uh, not a sacrament. So I'm able to impose those on any Christian who wants to come. So any of your Christian friends uh, who perhaps uh, they don't celebrate uh, Ash Wednesday the same way, but they'd like to have the ashes imposed, we can do that for them. This year, we're back to uh, putting it on your forehead. Remember last year was the shaker over your head, the old way with the... <laughs> so the Archbishop said so we, can, we can go back to putting it on your forehead. So we'll do that. Um, and uh, we've been uh, trying very hard. Michelle Heisman, our new director of Parish Life, is working really hard uh, to make uh, our Lenten journey meaningful with different things. And she has great ideas, uh, not only for Lent, but... Uh, and for the future, so we will keep her in our prayer, and she'll help us to get on track with everything.